It's Two Jerks, One Vote, the podcast where Jerkatorium does reviews of songfight.org songs, and this time we're reviewing the two-hit song fight with our special guest, Owl. Hi, I'm Chumpy, and this is the Jerk. Now here's how this thing works. We've won some fights enough that we think we know our stuff. We'll listen to your submission, subject you to our praise and our derision. I know that sounds unfair, but you're not obliged to care. Yeah, you're gonna lose this song fight. And yes, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you're gonna lose this song fight. Deep down inside, you know that it's true. Most of these bands are gonna lose when this song fight is done and your band's won. By your bands won, I don't mean your bands won With bands being a contraction of band has And one meaning the past tense of win Those are just tricky hominids What I'm really trying to say is that you're one of the losers Welcome everybody We are here for the two hits fight And before we get into that uh, What happened during the whichever whenever fight? Yeah, um, you know, I don't even remember Do we know who won? I guess I can go look this up real quick I think it was an upset victory by some unknowns, some randos called Vowel Sounds. Vowel Sounds, Sounds, that's right. That's right. Yeah, with uh, Micah Summersmith just missing out uh, on tying by a vote. I'm kidding. The Vowel Sounds was a great, great, great song. So I think we were all pretty happy with it. And coincidentally, this time joining us as a guest, we have Owl. Owl has won three out of four of the song fights entered under the name Miscellaneous Owl, and six out of the seven song fights entered with the band Vowel Sounds, which is an amazing win rate and well-deserved. Owl makes fabulous music and videos with the band Gentle Brontosaurus 2. Not Gentle Brontosaurus 2, but Gentle Brontosaurus also. Check out that stuff at gentlebrontosaurus at bandcamp.com. That Bees of the Invisible album is fantastic and everybody should listen to it. Also, the album uh, Names of Things and What They Do is excellent. Just one listen to the track Caroline and you'll be hooked too. You can check out Gentle Brontosaurus on Facebook and on Twitter at Gentle Bronto. And uh, definitely go to YouTube and put Gentle Brontosaurus into the search field for their awesome video of Wicker Park, which I keep on watching over and over again. And their tiny desk concert for Morgan. Plus, uh, you know, there's live footage and more. And they also have a song called Jerk Face uh, that <laughs> reminds me kind of of that Talking Heads album, Naked. You know, it's just great, great, great stuff. But anyhow, yeah, so welcome, Owl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Is there anything that I missed out on? Anything you want to plug or any upcoming shows or anything you want to talk about? Um, I guess depending on how quickly you're going to edit this, (laughs) Um, I have a show tomorrow night, um, which is Monday, the, what date is it tomorrow? I want to say 22nd, yeah. Yeah, in Madison, Wisconsin, if anybody is there, at The Crucible, which is going to be interesting. It's with a touring band called Alice that I think has a whole, like, performance art, like, light show costumes kind of thing, which is not really our thing at all, so uh, it'll be an interesting pairing. Um, And I think this is kind of, like, it's it's a very new venue. It's kind of an industrial goth club, I think. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting night. General Brontosaurus, Joey Broyles, and Alice out of L.A. Cool. This is going to disappoint everybody when I don't get it edited in time for people to actually check that out. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'll try. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I regret that I'm not in your neck of the woods, so I'd be able to see that. I'd love to see that. Is do you know? Do people typically post that stuff on YouTube, or is it just uh, touch and go with that? We don't usually see a whole lot of like live 
footage going up, like I think, you know, if somebody films it, it's usually like a two second clip on Facebook or something. So most likely not, but we'll see. Um, there's a couple of other upcoming shows. We have one in May with a band called Fancy Pears and um, Shotgun Mary, who are both Madison based. Um, a little on the kind of folksier side as well. And then we have this kind of interesting um, Lilith Fair revival that we're going to be doing in June. And it's just people trying to cover all of the original bands of the uh, original Lilith Fairs back in the 90s, which is right up my alley. We're doing Natalie Merchant. Mm -hmm. And uh, it should be a fun time. Cool. Cool. That's great. Let's see. Vowel Sounds is you and Von Vorten. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Is Miscellaneous Owl just you, or is it you and some of the other members of, like, Gentle Brontosaurus? Uh, no, that's just me. Oh, that's okay. why all of my mixes sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. But, uh, but yeah, you've just been kicking ass all over Songfight and uh, just making some great, great, great music, so... I was curious how you met up with Vom. I assume it was through the February album writing month, as I think that's how he met up with the guy from Balance Lost, who I associate with you two. Yeah, yeah. So Pete from Balance Lost, Furry Pedro, I want to say, on the boards is how both of us ended up coming to Songfight in the first place, because a couple of years ago, he asked me to do guest vocals for Regime Change for Narine, you know, which is what kind of led me to the website. And we all knew each other through February Album Writing Month. That's how I know um, Pig Farmer Jr. as well. And uh, yeah, we had just kind of been friends on that site and commented back and forth. And then we ended up doing a collaboration that we were both really happy with in 2015, I want to say. And enjoyed it so much, we were like, oh, we should just keep on making music together. So, you know, we have a very sporadic <laughs> recording schedule. Songfight's been great for us with uh, just actually getting motivation to, you know, put stuff together and, and write together. So it's, it's really fun. I love working with Bob. Cool. Uh, do you intend to compete in Nurine this year? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we do have some plans to do that, as Val sounds. Wow. I think the first song title is going to be announced tomorrow. Is that right? That sounds right. I remember whenever Jerkatorium or Matchy Matchy submitted, we had to have like this this set schedule. It's like we have to have ideas in by Tuesday. We have such and such an amount of time to do this. And then, you know, vocal takes by the end of such and such a date and then all just mixing for the last day. So it's an exercise and uh, it usually generates some good stuff. I'll be looking forward to watching you dominate and crush everybody <laughs> there, too. Hopefully. Yeah. What about spin tunes? Do you have any interest in that? I know Vom did spin tunes. I was busy at the time that was going on, so I didn't really get a chance to follow that too closely. But I did, you know, listen to some of the songs, read some of the reviews. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. It, I usually cool do how... uh, fifty ninety in the in the summertime too. Oh, I, I don't know about fifty ninety. What's that about? So fifty ninety is a sister challenge to Vom, and it's fifty songs in ninety days um, over the summer. I think starting uh, the Fourth of July weekend. I have never gotten anywhere close to that because it's summertime and I want to be outside and I can't really sustain <laughs> the, the like level of uh, intensity that it takes to you know write a song every two days for three months straight. So usually I just kind of look at it as like, well, if I come out of this with one or two more songs than I had at the beginning of the summer, then I'll consider it a win. I think I may have done like a half marathon one year, it's 25 songs, but yeah, it's it's a lot to do when you know the sun is shining and. Everything is beautiful outside. So, yeah, I just I, I kind of lightly participate in that. I usually try to do the whole thing for Fawn because it's freezing and horrible in Wisconsin where I live um, <laughs> during February. And it's a good excuse to just stay inside and <laughs> write music and record music. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Should we launch into the reviews? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the title. So it's two hits, and then mm-hmm. the, there's the optional challenge of emotional gut punch. Yeah. And I think I know what an emotional gut punch is. Like, gut punch is just not a great feeling, and it's supposed to, like, hit you like a gut punch, I guess. Is is there more to it than that when you heard it, Ryan? What, what did you think of the challenge? Well, I was considering some pretty specific songs, you know, with that. Like, there's uh, this Jeff Rosenstock song called I'm Serious, I'm Sorry, and it is really intense, and it's about a guy just sort of, I, I don't want to go into it, but it's sort of unfolds. And at some point you realize that there's like this, you know, diagnosis and this sort of social situation where somebody's falling apart. And and it's it's all it's all just very, you know, emotional and it's troubling and powerful. I think that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's like powerful and upsetting and uh, effective. Now, having said that. For this, you, you know, I kind of harp on the optional challenges whenever we have one of these podcasts. And if people don't, you know, incorporate that, I get angry at them. But uh, this time around... I was around, wondering if you were going to do that this time around. I don't think I can. Because I think emotional gut punch, you know, can be interpreted so many ways. And I'm just laying off that. And I think some people, like, really obviously bring it uh, more than others. And, you know, we'll get into it. But uh, I think that when it comes right down to it, if I'm going to say that's not emotional, then that's just my Asperger's. Right. You're not going to complain about not being punched in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Al? Did you have I mean, you're kind of you know, you submitted for this one. So I'm sure that you had some sort of a idea about it. But what did you think about, you know, it in terms of your song and other people's songs? Yeah. I mean, that was definitely something that I thought about when I was writing these reviews is is it really fair for me to say, well, I didn't feel emotionally gut punched by this song, therefore you didn't meet the challenge? You know, so I think it's sort of a question of like, well, did it seem like they were trying to incorporate that versus like how <laughs> how much did that affect me personally? Because it's it's not like hand claps where you can tell yes or no, are there hand claps? You know, it's, it's a little bit more subjective saying whether or not there's an emotional gut punch in a song. So, I mean, I can talk about whether a particular song I thought was punchy or <laughs> or not. But, um, you know, I think it's definitely hard to judge that. Yeah, absolutely. So you asked the question, Chumpy, what do you think? I don't know. I got a little bit bogged down in just the semantics of the term gut punch. And, uh, you know, Googling it didn't really help me. There's like some awful definition on the Urban Dictionary. And so <laughs> that was totally useless to me. And then there's a TV trope, the gut punch in which, you know, that's the moment in some drama when things are suddenly real and you realize that, you know, now it's serious, where before it may have been a little bit lighthearted, but now the gloves are off and, uh, you know, it's taken a dark turn. And none of those definitions were really satisfying for me. So I guess I just went back to the, oh, you know, you feel like you've been punched in the gut and you've been hit in the feels is kind of how I decided to approach that. Yeah. yeah, I did think about whether it was supposed to be something where there has to be, you know, partway through like a change in the mood. Yeah, but I, I think I that know. would be too hard. <laughs> yeah. And too specific. Yeah, and you'd be sort of micromanaging somebody's song. You know, we try to advocate against that in spin tunes. You know, occasionally there are people in the judges panel who say, okay, for the next challenge, let's do this and this and this and have them think about this and this other thing. And I'm like, man, why not just give it something general and let them thrive under that instead of trying to, you know, really specifically say exactly how you want the song to progress. I think that if there is an emotional gut punch, great. If the 
person thinks that he or she incorporated an emotional gut punch, then that also works as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and optional is right there in the name of it. So sometimes I feel like it's just better to ignore it entirely. Yeah, but then you're dinging points off of people for not adding operatic vocals, say, or... <laughs> Only if you're <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Some of us are <laughs> points off of people. Yeah, but I have one of those magical golden votes, so it, 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 <laughs> it counts as much as anybody else's, but it means more. Right. So, yeah. All right, well, um, on that note, what do you say we start off with Berkeley Social Scene? I like the song a lot overall. I felt like it had a really good kind of fun energy level. Um, I really loved the intro with the kind of combination of that echoey Rhodes and the, the fuzzy guitars. And I loved the, the part in the chorus with the shouting one, two. But I wasn't really in love with the melody in the chorus. It just felt very sort of jerky or kind of simplistic somehow. Um, I didn't really feel like it flowed that well for me. I get the jerky. Like in my notes, there's this pause between making music and between while the audience screams. And as Micah pointed out, like making music is probably the least poetic way to describe the act of making music. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I wish I would have had that line. But, you know, that pause there, I feel like is almost a, a bit of a flow killer. It's like making music, pause, while the audience screams. I don't know. Maybe that was some of the jerkiness you heard. I think other folks on the boards complained a little bit about the chorus being rhythmically a little bit off. But I certainly felt it there. It's like you guys stole my notes, too. It, it, my notes also mention them making music pause while the audience screams. When it would have been just as easy to put that pause in the beginning and just have the line flow through. So it's like instead of making music while the audience screams, it could be pause. Waking music while the audience screams, you know, and it just would flow so much better there if you just put the pause in the beginning. Or just change the wording around if you really feel like you need to fill up the very, very beginning of that line. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think also I just didn't really like the, the melody itself. Like, there were some sort of weird jumps in that melody that didn't really sit that well with me. Um, just felt like an odd progression. I definitely liked the bridge. That was That was my favorite part of the song. So, like, right after they come out of the bridge, Lunkhead sings, um, back on the road, back in the studio, and that, like, studio, and there's another line, like, play the next show, and those those high notes that he's singing are really satisfying, and the harmony on them, I think, sounds really good, too, and those, you know, melodic leaps I liked, but that was definitely my favorite part of the song. It's interesting what different people like in, in melodies. Sometimes big melodic leaps work and sometimes they don't. I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's a matter of personal taste, but I, li I certainly like that part. Yeah, no, I like, I like the bridge. I like those, those high notes that you're mentioning. Um, and I thought the harmonies throughout were really great. Like I really loved when the harmonies come in on that second chorus, I think. It sounds really good. And I also love the, the vibra slap. What's the vibra slap? I, I know, think the I... Cake, the cake noise, like, the, like that, you know, 
the the thing the thing that makes the noise i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i remember i remember lunkhead i think he mentioned the vibra slap and i go i have to google that i don't know what that is we use it in one of our songs i can't remember off the top of my head which but i think i timed it too like i had to uh, it doesn't matter but i'll, I'll get back to you on <laughs> it's that. a plug-in right it's it's not like a physical thing yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> I just can't picture it, but it has a cool name. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a physical one though. I mean, it's like a it's like a a wooden box on a metal stick with a ball on the other end. You like hit it against your hand, and it like vibrates. Um, oh, I think I've seen. I think I can picture that. Like, I feel like every like you know, Cake, right? Um, yeah. Like every song by Cake has vibra slap like all over it. I feel like. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like on going the distance, I can almost hear it. Yeah yeah. Cool. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Well, I like the song. Uh, I like it how it goes from that full sounding chorus to the interlude where everything drops out except for, for the rhythm trio. And and I, I didn't actually mind that pause between the second verse and the chorus. You know, it, I thought it was okay. I thought it was excellent vocal and backing vocal work. And yeah, the harmonies during the bridge are just amazing. Just really, really good. But yeah, there's the phrasing issues that they had. Uh, also, they stretch out some syllables in places where I think it'd sound less awkward if they just rephrased that line or tweaked the melody a bit, like the flu ook, the ta op, the cha arts. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember those. Yeah, uh, the ha i, uh, regret it, and be ha eind. You know, <laughs> you don't have to stretch out syllables like that. You can, you can make it sound a little bit more natural. And I only mention it because it sounds a little bit like obviously, like, you know, stretched when it might sound better if it were just a little more natural. Or, you know, it, it's kind of weird. It's like you, you either got to stretch out things like crazy or not stretch them out at all. Either go full Mariah Carey on it or, <laughs> you know, or fit it into the line. But all over, you know, it's it's a good, solid pop rock song with great performances, great production and great vocals. So I thought it was a you know, good effort. Yeah, I liked it. Any further commentary before we move on? I'm not going to judge it on emotional gut punch. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that was in their mind at all. But I, you know, I, I, know. I really I, don't know what the song's about when I when I think about it. I thought it was supposed to be this kind of like poignant story of like a rock star like with a dissolute lifestyle, and I, I don't know. Like I thought that was kind of the idea behind it. I thought they were trying for this kind of sad story of like somebody whose life is falling apart because they're on the road and you know making music while the audience screams. Yeah. Okay. And I think this theme is actually repeated a couple times in this fight. Sort of the you know making music as a struggle sort of theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually took notes about all of these, about how each person interpreted two hits, because that was something that I kind of considered when we were starting to work on the song. It's like, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret this. And um, I was hoping that somebody would do like a, a Britney Spears type thing <laughs> with Hit Me Baby one more time, but uh, sadly. <laughs> no references to that, I don't think. Nope. All right, well, next up we've got Evil Grin. Uh-huh. 
I was pleased to see that this collaboration between Pig Farmer and his collaborator vocalist is back on again, and they're back with another pretty strong song. I'm really happy with the instrumentation. Like, I always like it when Pig Farmer comes out with the, his mandolin. Like, in the second verse, I really like that a lot. And, you know, and some of these metaphors, I know that there's a lot of poker in metaphors, but might there be a blackjack metaphor in there? Like, I know when you when you want more <laughs> cards, it's like, hit me. Um, yes. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if they were mixing their poker and blackjack metaphors, but there was a lot of different card playing metaphors, which I thought was maybe a tad overdone, but I still like that they were consistent with it. I don't know. Did you have any notes on that? My first bullet point on my notes here says in all caps, it's blackjack. Um, Cause I read <laughs> Michael's post just before this and he was like writing all this stuff about poker. And I was like, no, it's the wrong card game. I'm pretty sure this is all like blackjack metaphors, but I don't know. Maybe there's some poker things I missed, but <laughs> I took it all to be blackjack personally. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it is blackjack. I thought there was a mix anyway. So that, that was interesting. I thought the vocals were slightly louder this time than they were last time. I remember that was one of the complaints I had from the previous fight. And I think I still have that complaint, like they're slightly louder, but I would still like them even mixed a little bit louder. Like the vocals are the star of the song, no offense to Pig Farmer's instrumentation, but they just don't cut through the mix enough for my taste. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of vocal nuance that we're just not hearing because they're buried by everything else that's sort of happening around them. So my advice would be to just compress the heck out of them. Just bring up the volume and the nuance as much as you can with compression, pan everything else out of the way, and then maybe, you know, maybe even apply a bit of EQ to brighten them up a bit because they sounded a little bit dull to me. But I'd really like to hear more of her vocals. I feel like they're just a little bit buried. And that's my, I guess, my main criticism of the song. But otherwise, I liked it, and I really would like to hear more from this collaboration. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's another step in the right direction for Evil Grin, you know, there, and for Pig Farmer. You know, there are a couple issues, but it's a good, solid song. You know, I think maybe the pre-chorus could have used a different draft. You know, those, the house always wins. And I don't know if it's the melody or the production. I'm not sure what, but, but it sounds like it needs uh, something more or something different. Also, the choruses end too timidly. Like a more confident, sustained, busted again would be better, you know, maybe with harmony backing vocals like we hear at the very end of the song. But it just kind of sort of, it's sort of, it's sort of a little too timid, I think, when it should be just blasting it. So, uh, and some of that phrasing is not great too. Like, I guess I wasn't enough. You know, why not? I, instead of, I guess I wasn't enough. Why not do it like, I guess that I was not enough, you know, because that would fill it all in and you wouldn't just be stretching out what the was part of wasn't. But again, it was a good song, good vocals, except maybe a little too hesitant and held back when she should have been belting it out. Uh, but it sounds good, solid. And I feel like I'm stressing the flaws when I don't mean to, yeah, you know, it's just yeah. sort of easier to expound on the flaws of a good song. But my main point should be that this is a, a good song and, a, and, again, a great step in the right direction for Evil Grin and for Pig Farmer. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. It kind of reminded me of, like, Melissa Etheridge or something. And I did have, a, you know, the same notes about the vocals not really sounding sort of loud and clear enough. I thought they were a little bit pitchy in the pre-chorus, I think, and in a couple of places it just didn't feel quite uh, clean enough to me. But uh, I disagree with you about the pre-chorus. I really loved the pre-chorus and The House Always Wins line. I really like the way that was phrased and um, the way that kind of carries through over the instrumentation there. 
Okay. Um, I didn't really like the the chorus, though. I feel like this is sort of a common theme with my uh, my reviews this week because I felt like the kind of rhyming couplets just made it feel like it was not getting any momentum anywhere. And I agree that you know the the busted part could have ended more dramatically, like maybe a higher note, or more maybe more harmonies, like you were saying, maybe more belting. But it just sort of it felt a little bit unsatisfying to me getting through the chorus there um, after that really strong sort of verse and pre-chorus beginning. Yeah, just just belt it, belt it out. It's begging to be belted out. And it's just yeah. kind of like, just kind of like, uh, there. And then it's done. So, yeah, I don't like know. Like there's that scene in every music biopic where, you know, the producer's like, higher, higher, you need to go higher. And I feel like this is, you know, one of those scenes where if you had a evil grin <laughs> recording in the studio and in, in their uh, future music biopic, you know, you'd have the producer like shouting, no, no, go higher. And then, you know, she'd go up to this triumphant high note. Everything would be Amazing. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. followed by an A-team montage of recording and mixing. and Yeah, uh, and somehow everybody is always just like writing the song in the studio. <laughs> the other musicians <laughs> haven't heard any of the parts before they start recording. That's funny. When you guys were focusing on the sort of busted again part of the chorus, I went somewhere else entirely. I was thinking, okay, is it a straight that is busted? Is So that would be poker. Or is it blackjack where they're busted because they took another hit? It was the wrong card. So... It's just the the funny, the dumb things I focus on. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I think we really couldn't pick this a lot, right? Because if it's blackjack and it's two hits and it's not enough, then it's like you haven't gotten enough points to win. But then if you busted, then you've taken too many hits. Too so. many hits, yeah. 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 So. Well, I, I think you're, I, I don't know. I think we might be focusing more on the specifics. Like, I don't know. I, I don't hold that against them. I get it that it's, it's inconsistent, but, you know, but in... It's a love song. You don't yeah. have to go for consistency. In How a does love it song. make you feel? <laughs> yeah, I feel <laughs> confused. Yeah, exactly. I Just feel like, like I, I feel like I don't know which game we're playing. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a good metaphor. That, that is a good metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I had a note also that I really liked the uh, the sort of double meaning behind you insisted on a call. So there are a lot of things that I liked about the wordplay with the cards, and I don't think that just listening to a song normally that I would really subject it to that kind of scrutiny <laughs> right, right. as far as the metaphor in most cases, just because, you know, you guys asked me to come on and review this that I was like, oh, I better take a lot of notes here about whether this makes sense. But, you know, I don't think I would normally consider all that stuff. I just feel like, oh, yeah, it's cards. I get it. And yeah, I move that, on. You know? <laughs> well, also, I, I'm kind of famously like not all that concerned with lyrics. I know a lot of other people are way into the lyrics, but unless they really kind of reach out to me, then I kind of take more of the gestalt of the general groove of the song, you know, and I've even kind of stressed to Chumpy a few times that nobody pays attention to the lyrics and I have been wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> like with Jerkatorium songs or with Matchy Matchy songs, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to pay attention. And then I'm like, wrong. I am wrong about all of that. <laughs> People listen to lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on that note, what do you say we uh, talk about Geech Sorensen? Never had to look over my shoulder Never had to wonder which way it comes Never had to run for cover Never had to reach for my guns hand
I think it sounds great. It's like a good slow Fountains of Wayne song or like a good Glenn Case song. You know, it, it reminded me a bit of that. And I know this also has a pause between sections, and I'm usually pretty critical of that, but uh, it's not incredible here, but it's not as bad as sort of the worst examples that I've called out from other song fighters in the past. Like with both of the other songs, there's some weird phrasing again in this one. You know, there's uh, never had to pause, pause, reach for my guns. You know, there's this huge pause in between the never had to and then reach for my guns, which is weird and distracting. And, and I was like, why, why? You know, what, why are you doing that? Just rephrase it or you know, do the melody in a different way that doesn't just leave that huge gaping hole in the middle of a uh, vocal line. But that didn't you know, prevent me from really enjoying the song, though. It's a wonderful production. The song has a great feel to it. If it were me, I'd put some more vocal harmonies in the song, earlier in the song. But, uh, of course, Geech Sorensen is in Trichotorium, you know, uh, to his <laughs> Thank credit. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good stuff. You know, it's a little hippy-dippy for my tastes, but it's good. One thing that I noted is at the beginning, there's this sort of distant-sounding reverby guitar at the start of the song. And it lasts for like, you know, 30 seconds or so. And I know, I just know that there's going to be full, rich instrumentation coming. And I can almost go five, four, three, two, <laughs> one. And, you know, and I expect it and it comes and it's still great when it happens. Like this is an overused tactic, I think, but it's still pretty effective, which I think is why people keep going back to it. You know, you give the audience just a little bit and then you hit them with it all at once, you know, at a key, like, shifting point in the song. That's is, probably is, Lunkhead, right? I, yeah, that, that does sound like something Lunkhead would do, but it's effective, and I, I can see why people do it. I also noticed that there was a subtle shift in panning from the slight left side to slight right side at every vocal phrase in the chorus, which is a cool and subtle effect that I quite liked. It was almost like, you know, two sides talking to each other. Like, you know, in your left ear is the sung line, and then immediately there's in slightly in your right ear there's the sung line, which I thought was a really cool effect and uh, worked well. I feel like I'm going to be the, uh, <laughs> the dissenting voice here. I like the song a lot on my first listen to it, but by the time I listened through all the songs, you know, a bunch of times to write up my notes about it, I was like, oh God, it's so annoying. Like, it just keeps on going. I felt like it was so repetitive. Like, I didn't want to hear that chorus anymore after a while, and I feel kind of bad saying that, but I don't know. Like, it just, uh, it didn't hold up to repeated listens to me. I agree with you. I really loved the intro with that kind of, you know, uh, reverby, sparse guitar vocals, and then that big hit of the instrumentation all coming in. Um, I thought that was really great. And I liked the production overall, but something about the song, just uh, the repetitiveness of, of that chorus felt like there was way too much of it personally. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It was a little bit long too, right? I th I'm sure it was well yeah, over was four like minutes. Over four minutes, yeah. yeah. Um, which is not, you know, bad in my opinion in and of itself, but, you know, if, if it's just the same part that's repeating over and over again. I liked a lot of the instrumentation things that were coming in, like the uh, the solo I thought was really interesting with the the kind of harmony choices of the keyboard line, um, the way it was harmonizing with the guitar in the solo, um, I thought was really cool. You know, the swooshy noise I thought was a little bit loud maybe, but it was kind of a cool, you know, change in the overall texture of the song. But I do wish that like the keyboard were a little bit brighter, I think. It, it felt like it was a little bit varied compared to the guitar in those solo parts. Yeah, four minutes is, is hard to hold your attention for that long. And you know, when you start thinking to yourself, do I really need to hear another refrain of this chorus? You know, maybe it's 
overstate its welcome. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. It's it's like a personal taste thing, I guess, you know, because it's, it's an earworm. And I could just imagine like a whole stadium of people like waving their lighters and singing along with the chorus. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's it's bad, but it's like for me, like I just... It's like, oh no, that's enough. That's enough of that. Yeah. I know you like three times, you know? Yeah. Like that entire stadium is wrong. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This entire imaginary stadium is, they're all wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I have conjured this imaginary stadium full of people waving lighters, and all of those imaginary people are wrong. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I also felt like the lyrics were really vague. And I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like there's anything to kind of like grab onto. And, I didn't feel like there's anything like wrong with them, but nothing kind of stuck with me after reading them and hearing it. Yeah. You know, vague can really work when they're also evocative as well as being vague. And that really sort of lets you attach your own meaning to it. But sometimes just vague and nothing that really grabs you. They're just vague and kind of squishy. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Like if they kind of still conjure up a feeling or, you know, you can kind of put yourself in the, in the shoes of that person, you know, without necessarily a lot of specific details like that, that can work really well. I think there's this book called uh, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, where he kind of talks about cartoon characters and like, uh, you know, comic characters. And if they're drawn super realistically, people find them less relatable than people who are just kind of like sketched out like this, you know, Charlie Brown type of thing where it's just two eyes and a nose and a mouth. And, you know, people are able to project themselves more onto really sort of vague sketches like that sometimes mm-hmm. more than things that are super specific. It kind of depends what you're going for. But yeah, in this case, I just, I don't know. I just didn't really understand what it was supposed to be about. It, it just didn't stick with me after reading through those lyrics. I think next alphabetically, we have Hablito y el Banditos. I'm sure we all have a ton of notes about this one. Yeah, I think so. I think we all want to edit the heck out of the intro, right? Like, is that the first thing on your note? Like, intro is too long at 40 seconds. I just want to get out my pen and just slice it. I'm okay with it. What? I actually, I really like the intro, actually. Um, (laughs) I did write, like, I I don't feel like it really goes with the rest of the song, per se, which is, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, though. I don't know. I I like that kind of, like, shambolic kind of energy that it had. Yeah, I, I was okay with the intro as an intro, not so much, you know, the comment that the Second Amendment is about civil unrest, because it isn't. And uh, we can get is, to that is later. That, is that the subtext <laughs> there? But yeah, but yeah, no. I have uh, many uh, problems with this song. Let me start. <laughs> you you want to start out? <laughs> no. Actually, I like this song. I like this sort of 80s punk rock sound. And uh, I really liked his vocal delivery, which I think sounds like Jello Biafra. So um, I like all that. I like his exaggerated vibrato. You know, and I think, you know, Killing the President is well in the punk rock canon, I'd say. There's like Coffin Break song, Kill the President. 
And yeah. um, there's probably a few others. And I think he's just probably in the clear because I don't think the Secret Service trolls song fights, so he's probably okay. But um, I'm reminded of this time in college where I had a friend who was in a band called The Three Hammers. And they were, I think they were more of an art performance band than a band. But uh, they had a flyer out in Olympia that was advocating the show Three Hammers. And at the very bottom it said, brought to you by the committee to kill the president. And, oh. uh, you know, they posted that, this around town. Was that G.W. Bush at that point? or I think it nah, H.W. Bush. I, I mean. think it was H.W. at that point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Secret Service paid them a visit. Wow. Yeah. So they investigate, you know, credible or incredible threats against the president. So you can say what you want. Just be careful. I, I'm desperate to expound about this, but I'm going to hold back. What, what do you think, Owl? Yeah, like I said, I really liked the intro. I really liked the verses. You know, the, the overall kind of retro punk rock sound was really awesome. And I really loved the, the vocals as well. Aside from that, like, laughing part, which I really didn't care for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of dumb. And I liked the bang bang in the chorus. But I felt like, so there's like a couple of problems that I had with it. So one of them is, you know, like the whole shooting the president thing. Not that I have any particular love for the president, but I don't know, like the songs with this kind of like juvenile kind of murder fantasy thing, like just don't really, I don't really like it. It just feels very alienating, you know, so I didn't really care for, for that whole aspect of it. And the, the mix of the song was just like very distracting to me because I felt like it suddenly got like really quiet in a part where it should have gotten really loud. So I don't know what was, what was up with that. Like I felt like the intro sounded cool, sounded good. And then, you know, you get to the next part of the song and suddenly it's like, ultra quiet it's like oh i thought this is the part where everybody is you know supposed to be up in the mosh pit like <laughs> freaking out yeah. and uh yeah yeah and it just kind of felt like it uh you know i don't i don't normally get too much into the details of other people's mixes because you know i'm not <laughs> great at that i don't pay that much attention to it but yeah i felt it was just sort of really distracting to me um listening through this because it felt like it, re it just really messed with the momentum of the song I don't really like the phrase systematic cleanse. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody does. It's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, not that's very good. Um, that's an objectively bad phrase. Yeah, that, yeah especially that now line, with all um, this alt-right bullshit that's happening. I don't know if it's ever a good phrase, but right now it feels particularly bad. Yeah, yeah. And then that whole line, we will not cower or bow to the power of their mighty pens. So it's like, okay, the sword is better than the pen and, you know, advocating yeah. violence and shooting people like over peaceful lawmaking and like the rule of law and like normal <laughs> democracy like i i don't know like it just uh it's kind of like rubbed me the wrong way and i yeah. kind of liked the that like hand drum <laughs> thing that was happening but it also felt a little bit weird stylistically having somebody with like bongo drums coming into your like punk rock jam it, it felt a little strange to me like i don't know um it sort of reminded me of I want to say like Enigma Returned to Innocence, which I don't, I don't think it even has those drums, but that kind of like weird, like tribal thing from like the nineties that was kind of a thing. I, it just kind of reminded me of that, but I don't know. I kind of liked that aspect of it, I guess. Um, I just thought I would mention it, I guess. I have a slight like petty complaint also with like starting a reviews thread that is like the same idea as your song. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed like that. I sort of just start like a new one and say something else and, you know, not set it up to be like, oh, and then look, I wrote the song about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really tacky. Having done that myself, I would say that's really yeah. tacky. Don't ever do that. Yeah. What was that? Forty-two hours or forty-three yeah. hours? Is that what we did? Yeah. I think so. But yeah, um, bad, bad Hobbit, Hoblet. <laughs> Don't do that. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> My notes were that uh, you know I'm sure we can all agree that murder is bad, and therefore these lyrics are problematic. You know, if 
if Hoblet were a Tea Party racist posting this exact same song in 2010, then I'd you know never take Hoblet seriously ever again. You know, you know, you know the teabaggers felt wrongly, of course, that their rights were being infringed upon. You know, instead it was more about them feeling that white male supremacy was being threatened by the specter of gender equality and racial equality. But of course, those oblivious teabaggers were confusing rights with privilege. And I'm digressing, and I'll stop. You know. Uh, suffice to say, there are problems with the general gist of the lyrics, and we've already kind of discussed that here. But as far as the music goes, uh, this is great. You know, I actually associate Hoblet with one of my pet peeves because, in my recollection, he often does that thing where the vocal melody follows the guitar chords exactly, but not in this song. So I was really happy about that. Uh, the song is interesting and very different. You know, the whole kind of way it was put together and i'm impressed by uh, the inventiveness of it uh, i think the drums might be a little too quiet but that's a minor criticism overall i'm very impressed great guitar work great vocal delivery great bongos <laughs> there's a sloppy outro it's like there's some mumbling at the outro and i think that that was probably left in for you know for character or something but i, I think that should have just been cut out and also, you know, going back to the lyrics, we might be overreacting a bit too. And I mean, and me included might be overreacting because it might be like, you know, like the dead milkman ish. It just might not have come through that he's going for a little bit of humor, you know, something like the dead milkman doing, you know, the thing that only eats hippies or something, you know, in that they're making fun of the idea of something that'll only eat hippies and that hippies should be eaten and blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's not an actual advocacy of murdering folks. So, yeah. but who knows? Maybe Either that's way, how I he just... expected the emotional gut punch to come off, is that we'd all be horrified that someone is advocating so blatantly just killing the president. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Like, are we going to vote for it? No. No. Okay. And I, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to get a lot of votes, even though it's, you know, relatively well done. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm going to vote for it. I, I I liked it musically, but, you know, I had enough other problems with it that I don't think I'm going to vote for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not going to co-sign on that whole idea. Yeah. Instead, let's just make sure that his legacy is what it deserves to be and, you know, get him out of there by a huge decisive vote. Not just a majority of Americans who voted against him in the past election, but, you know, a majority of Americans voting for somebody better. Amen. Yes. All right. So on that entirely depressing note, what do you say we move on to Micah Summersmith? Listen close. You hear that thump, thump as the nurse glides that thing across your bump. That's a promise. Not much to show for me yet, but just you wait. See how big I get. Here I come, squalling and squealing into the world. Your kin, your flesh, your pearl. Not much to look at. Snot covered and slimy as sin, but hear that drum beat under my skin. Two pitoots on the big bass drum. Two pitoots on the big bass drum. On the big bass drum. Here I come. Here I come. Here I come. Two hits on the big bass drum. On the big bass drum. Two hits on the big bass drum. Here I come. Here I come. Here I come. Now sit. Ryan, I think you are the biggest Micah Summersmith fan here in the audience. Although I could be wrong. Why don't Why don't you go first? Okay. All right. As 
usual, this review is a problem for me because uh, when I have nothing bad to say about a song, then I don't have much to say about a song. And I think that this song is just great. You know, the the chorus might go one repetition too many at the very end, but I'm stretching, you know, when I say that to find something to complain about. The bass drum running through the song is great. You know, the rapping verses with the sung choruses works great. The lyrics are good. It's a great performance, great vocal delivery, great production. Uh, Micah Summersmith fanboy out. (laughs) All right, cool. I can go next on this one. I think the premise of the song is good, and I like the idea that the drum as heartbeat metaphor, I think, is a good take on the title. I mean, it's not it's not an entirely new take, but I think it's good. Yeah, the heart of rock and roll is still beaten. <laughs> and for what I seen, I believe him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, and, you know, he's definitely going for that emotional gut punch for people who have children or, you know, like children, that kind of thing. And I think that's okay. I mean, that was just one part of it. And then there was another part about struggling as an artist and trying to make it. And I feel like every rapper who hasn't made it has to have at least one or two songs about struggling as an artist trying to make it. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty tired of that as a theme, having listened to some a fair amount of hip-hop. And I think that the name-dropping in the song is just a bit much. Uh, after a few of them, I just started to mentally groan when I heard new ones. So and I feel like that's just a little bit, uh, I don't know, it's a bit forced. I just wasn't particularly into that. Yeah, we, we've heard a fair amount of that lately, I feel, too. Yeah, the, the name dropping. Yeah, yeah, Tegan and Sarah and the um, and some of the other ones, too. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun and it's good, but yeah, I, I can see how you can get tired of it. Right. And, you know, it's funny, like, we used to make fun of Micah for being a very white rapper, and it's a it's a very white rapper thing to reference an NPR host, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, you know, it's, this is pretty well done, and it's an enjoyable listen, and Micah's playing to his strengths, so a lot of these elements we've heard before in Micah's songs, and I think, you know, his reminder to us that it's good to stretch, and it's good to go outside of your comfort zone, and try something new. I'm just going to throw that back at you, Micah. Playing to your strengths. Do something new. Is that is that from some of his past nagging of us? Yeah. Is that what yeah. that's about? Okay. <laughs> Alright. I don't know. I felt like the song was like well put together, but it didn't totally connect with me. Like I really liked the rapping. Like it was sort of a mixed bag, I guess. Like I liked the rapping. The, the sort of rhythm and like storytelling of it kind of reminded me of the song All I Got Is You by Ghostface Killer. And, you know, I, I like that whole aspect of it. I also wasn't crazy about the whole name dropping, which, you know, sometimes I find delightful, I think, depending on sort of how I'm feeling at the time. And then also like how inventive the rhymes feel. Like I feel like rhyming one person's name with another person's name just didn't feel like a great rhyme to me in this case. And it just felt a little bit like too many of them, too forced and sort of overly uh, specific, you know, with these these particular things. Um, I mean, I really liked the, the Tegan and Sarah rhyme in that other song, but in this case, yeah, for me, it didn't work that well. I didn't really like the chorus either in this song. Like, it just felt like a Christmas carol or something. Like, I don't know, like the little drummer boy or something. It, <laughs> I don't know, like, it just didn't work for me. Like, the rapping part worked, worked for me just fine, but I didn't really like the chorus itself and the style of the chorus in combination with everything else. There are also, like, a few lyrical things that, that bugged me a bit, like that first line slide that thing across your bump just (laughs) struck me as kind of like 
weird and gross sounding. Um, <laughs> like it reminded me of uh, that Black Eyed Peas song, My Humps, which I really, really hate. <laughs> so this is maybe just like a personal, you know, a, a personal thing where it's like, oh no, it sounds like that song. I don't know. Like that's that that line just sounded gross. Um, that and thing is the a word, stethoscope, like... <laughs> right? I, I, th- I think that's what it is. I thought it was like one of those ultrasound ones, oh, which maybe yeah. doesn't stand yeah, that well. Okay. But, but yeah, and it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it was vague. It, well, it, it was and, like he uses the word thing, I think, twice in the lyrics. And I mean, at least the, the second time around, it's rhyming with something. But, yeah. you know, it, it felt a little bit vague or, or lazy, I guess. And I, I, wasn't I was sure. Oh, I'm go sorry. on. I was saying I was going to mention that um, I was OK with it when I kind of realized that it is the fetus talking to the mother, I thought. Is that, is that, did everybody else get that impression for the first verse? Yeah, I think so too. Like, I'm going to be X or Y talking yeah, to well, the fetus, uh, talking to the mom, yeah. Yeah, listen close as the nurse glides that thing across your bump, you know, and I think that uh, it was the, the fetus talking to the mother saying this, and it's, you know, it wasn't clear in the first listen through that that's exactly what was going on, but, you know, I was trying to think, well, who is saying that to who? But, uh uh, as soon as I got that, then I was fine, but it took more than one listen. Anyhow, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. That was one of my other sort of nitpicks is that I wasn't really sure who this song was directed at because it's it seems like it's clearly, you know, the narrator's mother in the first couple of verses, and then it seems like it goes off somewhere else and is kind of talking to a vague you, unless it's still talking to the mother the whole way through. But I feel like because it's kind of covering the whole arc of this person's life, you know, for a long period of time, like it, it doesn't seem like it's really directed anymore. I, I don't know. Like I, I felt like if it is sort of talking to the mother, I guess the emotional arc of it was unclear to me, you know, because I, I felt like it kind of shifted around from one sort of emotional focus to another between different parts of the song in a way that left me feeling a little bit unclear about how I should be feeling at each point or, you know, at the end of it. Yeah, I got that too. At the end, there was this sort of resignation that, you know, okay, I want to be a famous rock star or person, music musician, but I'll settle just for having a family and that's okay, which seemed a bit like it was a, just a bit unsatisfying ending, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it felt very positive, really, like at that ending part in some ways, and then also sort of like this, like, oh, I'm just giving up. So it didn't seem totally uh, clear to me, like how that was um, supposed to be taken. Yeah. I wanted to be a rock star, and all I got was this lousy family. <laughs> yeah, we've all we've all, all felt, felt that. that. Way. I know, I know. <laughs> I, that's just me being cynical, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't really like the emphasis on the syllable "miss" in uh, "mistake." There's, I forget what the actual line is, but there's one part where he he's rhyming "mistake" with "mixtape," and right, that's an so, unstressed syllable. Mistake, yeah which is odd. I know that's kind of nitpicky, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, actually, I think I hit that too. And I was like, where, where is the stress? That's not stressed in the right place. This whole thing is stressing me out. I'm just going to stop thinking about it. <laughs> I think we are ready to talk about OG lawn darts. Pardon me, I have a little question. May it turn into a lesson. Are you really happy where you are? When's the last time you picked up your guitar? Has it really been so long you couldn't pick it up and write another song? No, they could tune and just hum, fit on the front porch and strum. I know you've had two hits on the radio, but those two hits were a long time ago. And now you had too many hits to your ego, too many hits to help. 
I really like the vocals on this song. Um, I felt like he has this kind of really pleasant, like, slightly hoarse sounding delivery and like these really nice like slides between the notes that I really enjoyed. I do have, I feel like, a lot of genre bias about these kind of like reggae songs because if I'm not like, you know, celebrating 420 at like a reggae show, um, like I just don't have a whole ton of patience, you know, to sit through like what feels like basically the, the same thing like for, you know, two hours. But, you know, in this case, I think there was enough kind of dynamic changes in the song to, you know, make it interesting and make it pleasing. Um, I really liked the instrumentation. For this, um, overall, like it just felt really kind of nicely balanced to me. There was a part, I didn't write down the exact lyric, but I remember there was a part where uh, it was like, I was being rhymed with I at the beginning of a, of a line, and it, I don't know, I didn't like that particular part. Um, I noticed I don't know that if you guys too, and I wondered if it was because of that whole Rastafarian thing where they say I and I and I. Oh, maybe. Or I and I. Uh, yeah, I guess that didn't I don't know. I, I thought it was odd, and I thought maybe it was a hat tip to that. I don't know. But yeah, I also keyed in on that, too. I'm like, that's that's odd. Yeah, well, maybe there should have been more of them than <laughs> in that case. I don't, I don't know. That kind of jumped out at me, uh, to me as, as something that was a little bit awkward. I did like the lyrics overall, though. You know, there's there's nice storytelling. You know, I don't think I had any other sort of major complaints. I like the kind of, like, dual use of um, meanings for, for two hits. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was kind of all of my notes about the song, I think. What do you guys think? I thought it was solid. And, you know, I think this about a lot of the OG Lawn Darts songs is that everything is really solid, you know, musically speaking. Good lyrics, good production, good take on a title, and a solid adherence to the style that they're going for. I'm trying to figure out why don't I like this more? And um, th some other things I liked were there's some parts where they use some tense sort of diminished chords or what's the word I'm looking for? There's some dissidence in these chords that they use on the electric piano to sort of make things sound tense and then they resolve them. So musically, it's got a lot of good stuff going on. And I think why I don't really like this song so much is that there wasn't a vocal hook that I could really latch on to. And the contours of the vocal melody are good in that I like how he slides in and out of the melody, but I feel like it's not all that compelling. And there's nothing vocally going on or hooky-wise going on that's keeping me engaged with the song. And that keeps the song from transitioning between solid and good into great and I really like this. Like, I think it just needs a stronger hook because I listened to this three or four times and, you know, I got a little tired of it by the end and I just, there wasn't a lot for me to latch on to. And I actually sort of like reggae, so. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really happy to report that, uh, that you are both just wrong about this song. This is a really, really good one. And I'm here to set you guys straight. Oh, on good. It. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it's it's my favorite OG Lawn Darts song to date. You know, it, it uh, it's just sort of masterful how the lyrics immediately engage the listener. I, I always say this. It's best to make the song reach out to the listener to to have it be about the listener more than the narrator. And it just starts out and it's, you know, pardon me, I have a little question. And then it kind of goes on and throughout the song, it kind of does this thing where it's it's dragging you in to, you know, be part of the song. And uh, it's catchy and it's groovy. And uh, there's those sections and chords that sound really dissonant on purpose. And I like that. You know, these are these are all choices that they're making. And I, I appreciate it. I like it when something sounds a little different and that this song definitely has it. So I, I just thought it's a great, great song. And uh, like the previous one, it was hard for me to say much about it because I didn't have uh, complaints. 
Well, and, good. and yeah, and the main thing is you you two are wrong and should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I said anything like particularly bad about it. I said I didn't like rhyming I with I. Um, <laughs> and you're wrong about that. Positive. That was brilliant. <laughs> right. Since okay. it wasn't outright unqualified praise, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. That's more like it. I look forward That's to getting our glowing mail from Small Town Mike on this one. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I liked it. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Next alphabetically, we've got Paco Del Stinko. When you looked me in my eye, that time at the final goodbye, it made me pause to wonder, why do we even try? What's it all about? This is as good as it gets, my friend. This is as good as it gets. This is as good as it gets One's a tree and one's a seed What will be is already agreed Another drop of just a bit of the breeze So I think this is a song about those last moments before you die. And yeah. I... I think it starts out with the car going into the ditch, tail lights up, things going south, and the idea is, let's see, there's this, um, what's it all about, right? Like, that's, I think, the question of the song, like, what's life all about? Or maybe it's not so much what's life all about, but what happens to you when you die, I guess is the question. And maybe that's, the, the answer is, I think, in the chorus, which is, this is as good as it gets. That was my take on it lyrically. The lyrics weren't posted, so I listened a bunch of times trying to figure out what the song is about, and I think that's what I came up with in the end. And the refrain is sort of a pushback against the notion that anything interesting happens to you when you die. And um, that's what I got from that. And, you know, I, I like this song because it's got all of Paco's trademark magic. I love how he uses backing vocals. So in some cases, they're just doing additional lyrical lines like, please tell me, which is almost like, you know, a sort of call and response sort of thing. And in some cases, they're just doubling what the main vocal line does. And in some cases, like in the bridge, they're just oohs and ahs providing some nice, pretty texture. And the guitar solo in this was a wild and short sort of screechy solo, which maybe is a metaphor for your short and wild life. I don't know. I listened to this more times than I thought I would trying to figure it out. And in the end, I think it grew on me a little bit. Like I didn't like it as so much at first. And by the time I was done, I was like, I think I'm going to vote for this. I like this. So I had a little bit of a turnaround on my thoughts on it. Yeah, I had a similar reaction to it. Actually, my favorite songs for this fight you know, I, I guess nothing really stood out to me that strongly when I first listened to them. And then they kind of grew on me after listening a few times. And this is one of them. I just really love the way that it kind of dives just super immediately into that that scene of the car wreck. And I wasn't totally sure if it was supposed to all be the same scene or kind of different, you know, if, if maybe that second verse was talking about like the last moments of a relationship or something. I like it when people write down the lyrics so I can actually <laughs> make sure that I know all of the words that they're saying um, because yeah. I couldn't totally make out everything particularly in the bridge. But uh, yeah, I just really liked the, the overall sort of loopy sound of this. I really liked the, you know, abrupt beginning, abrupt ending. I was not a big fan of the guitar solo, which I'm sure <laughs> is, a, is a sort of controversial 
tone to pick for your guitar solo. Yeah, um, screechy but, and wailey. Yeah, it's like a guitar being played through a kazoo or something. I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't, didn't really like it. I mean, it was definitely unusual and interesting, though. You know, when I don't necessarily like something, it still gets points if it is weird. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's fine. And uh, I really liked the phrasing of the what's it all about in the chorus, which is really nice. Just, you know, just how that kind of flows and how it's delivered. And what were your thoughts about the, the bridge lyrics? I couldn't totally make out all of them. So I wasn't really sure with that whole tree and seed thing, like what the yeah. I didn't get that either. Besides that, I, tree and seed, tree and seed sort of rhyme. Well, there was also, I mean, the the lyrics touch on predetermination and reincarnation and things like that. And I, I imagine, I also didn't get all of the uh, bridge lyrics, but I imagine that that was sort of allusions to that sort of a thing. You know, maybe uh, reincarnation in particular. It didn't really congeal for me in terms of a, an idea, but that's probably just because he didn't post the lyrics. Yeah, there was also a reference to that red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning sort of yeah. rhyme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't quite know how that fit in either. So, Yeah, the bridge yeah, was confusing. I, was, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure um, how this related to the overall title, the two hits. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I wondered if it was like, something like the car hit two things on its way to the ditch or I tried to figure out the correlation to the title, but, but I couldn't. Well, I I like the song. I thought uh, the melody kind of seems to meander around in a way that I like a lot. And uh, the guitar solo, yeah, it's screechy and fuzzy, but I also thought it was really nice and melodic. So I didn't mind that so much. The lyrics are kind of miserable, maybe, you know, uh, and uh, like we already talked about it, they aren't posted, but they touch on predetermination uh, and reincarnation. I kind of prefer to sort of tune out the meaning of the lyrics, though, and simply enjoy the the gestalt of this very enjoyable song. You know, I, it, I feel like it's almost a Paco does Morrissey number, and it's great. So I was I was happy with it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, though, that, like, those are kind of two opposite ideas, right, of, like, this is as good as it gets, this life is all that you get, and mm-hmm. when you're gone, you're gone, versus reincarnation and destiny and, and all that, so it seems like kind of two completely opposite takes on what the lyrics are supposed to mean. Yeah. We like, Post we your like lyrics, post- Paco. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see. Let's talk about the undead squirrels. Wait. Oh, wait. Third wait. cat, isn't it? Oh, oh, he because God, he thinks the comes before third. It's just the way I sort these is wrong. Don't bother sorting them. Just click on the image. Yeah, yeah, I heard that last time. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to change. <laughs> Apparently <I> not. <laughs> <laughs> that would require me to take one of your suggestions seriously. <laughs> it should be a, a resolution. <laughs> I'll do one thing Ryan suggests. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's talk about Third Cat. So 
you know, this has a lot of third cat signature sounds, like the really pretty reverb and delay swells. And uh, sparse lyrics, definitely sparse lyrics. I feel like that this song has just a chorus. And, you know, the chorus is repeated with some minor variation here and there. But this is not a traditional arrangement, you know, where it goes verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, chorus, or whatever. This is, um, you know, a third cat arrangement where things are a little bit different. And I like that. I like the part, you know, there's this part that I think we're all going to talk about where everything just goes and slows down like a tape machine grinding to a halt or whatever. And then everything goes atmospheric and there's lots of reverb and delay swells. And then a slower tempoed version of the lyrics come in and then the song just sort of ends. And I think there's this expectation that, you know, the tape machine is going to go and it's going to like come back on again and then things are going to be at normal tempo again and maybe that'll be how the song ends. But it just kind of ends at the slowdown and it's a little bit disappointing. And at, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds, I felt like, come on, Third Cat, like you could make my dream happen here. Speed it back up again. Bring me back in. Give me some closure. So I, that's that's how I felt about that part of it. But otherwise, you know, this is a great Third Cat song. It's got all the stuff about his songs that I like. But I thought, like, lyrically, it was just a little bit even less than usual lyrically. I was fine without having a ending where everything ends with everybody at the same level they were before. That wasn't uh, a big deal for me. All in all, this song was fine, but maybe a little dull until that interlude and the tempo change. And I like the very, very end of the song where it kind of the the guitar thing just kind of does that uh, that hop up a little bit. But the thing is, the, the verses and the chorus is mostly just hopping back and forth between two chords. And, you know, especially during the chorus, you know, I, I would have preferred more variation. And I liked it well enough, but it's not one of my favorite third cat songs. The interlude is is definitely an event. Yeah. And interesting and something, but it also doesn't seem all that incredibly well incorporated into the rest of the song. I really like this one, actually. This was another one of my favorites from the fight. Um, and it was also another one that I heard the first time or two and was like, oh, it's OK. And, um, and it kind of grew on me after listening to it a number of times. I really liked that whole tape stop. And then, you know, the fact that it never returned to that faster tempo and that really odd kind of ending that I feel like a lot of people really didn't like. I thought it was great. Uh, that kind of slightly, you know, dissonant little ascending part um, that just kind of is there and then it stops. And I thought that was a really cool detail. I think the the lyrics were um, the line where, where he says, your eyes uh, punch me right in the heart, I thought was a really interesting lyric, actually. Like, it sort of made me laugh, which I probably wasn't supposed to <laughs> feel that way about it. But, it, you know, it was unusual. Like, it kind of stuck with me. I, I liked the sound of the lyrics, I guess, more than necessarily the, the lyrics themselves. But I think I'm not sure exactly what it is uh, with the, the second part of those rhyming lines. Like, I think they're, maybe they're like one beat shorter than the previous part of the rhyme. But I just really liked the rhythm of that that second line. You know, I need a fresh start or whatever. Like every time one of those lines ended, it just felt really satisfying to me. So I really liked that kind of vocal rhythm and, you know, length of those phrases. And I liked all the sounds at play, like very pretty kind of reverby things and that kind of like arpeggio guitar on one side and the kind of chugging rhythm guitar on the other side. It's nice. And yeah, I don't know, like in the solo, though, there are kind of like the two guitar lines both going that kind of felt like two people who were just soloing, you know, at the same time, but not necessarily like with any kind of regard for what the other guitar was doing. Which is know. even stranger because they're 
ostensibly the same person. Yeah, it's the same person. So it's, <laughs> it's odd, but it's like, uh, yeah, I went to this uh, regular weekly, like Monday night blues jam at this uh, local bar here. And I remember I went to this one time and there were like four guys who showed up to play lead guitar, <laughs> and, like one guy on drums and one guy on bass. And, you know, like I'm sitting there watching them playing and then like everybody is just all like playing like noodly solos at the same time. <laughs> oh, like nobody's listening to what anybody else is doing. It was just, I don't know, it's like being trapped in some kind of weird blues nightmare, which I'm sorry, I'm not, I, I didn't mean to like make it sound like, you know, third cat's two solos are that bad but like that's sort of what it reminded me of it's like oh there's just like a couple yeah. of things happening that don't necessarily have like a whole lot of connection to each other yeah the um, solos yeah. weren't bad they just reminded me of something that was really terrible and hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like the phrase blues nightmare that's that's great <laughs> okay i think we've exhausted third cat okay let's right. talk about the undead squirrels i don't want to be a one-hit wonder I need at least two hits or I'm gonna go under I need at least two hits if I wanna go far I I really liked the chorus melody, but of course it sounds exactly like Drive by the Cars, you know, which I also really like. Yeah. But it's it's really hard to separate that out. And I feel like if I had never heard Drive before, then I'd be like, oh, this song is amazing. I love this song because I just felt like that melody was so pretty. And I actually really like the I like the ending of that chorus melodically better than the original Cars version. I do too. And I actually I hate the song Drive, but. Yeah, oh, it's just so sappy, and I could not escape it when it was on the radio and on MTV everywhere. God, I just hate that song. But um, the line God. in particular, <laughs> sorry, the, the line is like, you can't go on thinking nothing's wrong, right? It's Yeah. But and then he, but he doesn't, I mean, that's just the part he steals. Uh, and I think it's that dreams can come true, it can happen to you. But then he goes somewhere else with it, so... I, I almost didn't notice it until somebody on the boards pointed it out. I thought it was maybe a, it sounded like the Beatles to me, but yeah. No way, man! I noticed it immediately. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I, I imagine uh, I didn't. I haven't checked the boards, but I imagine everybody else did too. Is that is that right, Al? I think Micah did not. I think he didn't oh. know what song people were talking about, but I think everybody else who's commented so far. Oh, Micah's like that. twenty though, so <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't born. <laughs> so, I, don't know. I think Vaughn was like, you know, Rico Kasich called and he wants his melody back. Yeah, he wants to know who's going to drive him home. <laughs> Bro, that, that's what it is, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess the, uh, the, the performance, I think, could have been a little bit tighter here. I, uh, you know, I felt like the guitar was kind of plotting and, you know, I, I really liked some of the flute, but I felt like there was kind of a lot of flute. So, you know, I think for me, it was maybe a little bit too much and I would have maybe enjoyed some other lead instrument filling that space in, in some of those spots, you know, not to like take that out entirely, but it, it you know, it's a very like standout kind of int- instrument. So it stood out a lot for me and felt like a lot of flute by the end. And I felt like the lyrics felt kind of simplistic, you know, some of these rhymes and, and so on. It just didn't 
stand out to me super well lyrically either. I would have really loved to have heard some harmonies in the chorus. I feel like that would have really elevated it. But, you know, again, like I, I just really love that that chorus melody, but I have such a hard time separating that from from the other song that it sounds just like at the end, I felt like it just kind of petered out and I kind of wished there was more of a, a an outro. My notes are a lot like yours. I also mentioned that I would have liked a harmony vocal in the pre-chorus and the chorus. But, but I think it's also fine the way that uh, that he did it. Again, I, I kind of want to make every song a jerkatorium song, by which I mean I want to improve every song by making it a jerkatorium <laughs> song. But, uh, but it, uh, let's see, the chorus effect on the second guitar that comes in is warbly enough to make it sound out of tune. And that's just sort of a setting thing. It's, it's a choice by him. I, I think that it would have been nice to put some fresh ears on it and maybe adjust the settings a little bit. The guitar playing itself is a little sloppy, too. And I only mind that if it distracts. And it does distract a little bit in this song, I thought. Uh, the vocal performance is really, really good, though. Again, I would have liked some harmonies, but it's a really strong, good vocal performance. I thought there was lots of reverb on that flute, but it was impressive flute playing if that's a real flute. And also there's some extra flute tracks uh, doing harmonies so that there's like this harmonized pair of flutes in the background at like around 126 to 137. And I thought that was a great touch. But yeah, it's impossible to overlook the Cars drive song part. And that's unfortunate. And I, I kind of hope that it was accidental or unintentional instead of a you know a reference that i didn't catch back to the the original song i don't know should i go into my anecdote about what prevented me from writing music for 20 years sure Chumpy, i'd love to hear that? that well i think you heard it last time i was in seattle but uh back in college i wrote a song for a bunch of our friends to perform live on stage at sort of this uh I can't even remember what it was. It was a student performance concert or something like that. So I wrote a song and during the rehearsals to it, somebody kind of offhandedly mentioned that it sounded a lot like the jingle for Jello. That watch it wiggle, see it squiggle. Dun, 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 dun. And, I, and, I, and as soon as they said that, I realized that that's exactly what the melody was. And I was just, and I hadn't realized it at all until they had said it. Like I hadn't, you know, consciously intended to steal that melody, but that's exactly, exactly what it was. And just sort of the whole cluelessness, my own personal cluelessness about it. It just, it was, I can't even tell you how traumatic that was for me. So that just kind of got in the way of my writing music. At least it's one of the things that got in the way of writing music. Uh, for a long, long time for me until we started up Jerkatorium. And, you know, I, th I think uh, Chumpy knows my aversion to anything like that so that when something similar happened in uh, our song Fingers Crossed, he hid it from me because he knew that you know, I would insist that we change around that melody if I realized that we'd stolen part of that melody from some Beatles song. Yeah. Uh, All My Lovin', I think. So, yeah. It it's was, funny. Uh, I have the uh, I have the exact opposite feeling about this. Like, I hate intellectual property in all of its forms, and I hate the notion that someone thinks that a series of notes that they sang in a particular song is somehow theirs, or that they have any claim to it. I just hate that idea, and uh, I think all music should be recontextualized and repurposed freely. So, but you but you also gotta appreciate original content. 
and and there also, is no original content. Every song has uh, been sung. Every melody has been created, or it will be I, at some point if it hasn't I, already I, happened. I, I'm I'm going to sort of disagree with you on principle. It's a fantasy that, that I think that yeah. there's actually anything original or anything new under the sun. That's how yeah, I feel. But, but on the other hand, I can pretty confidently say that uh, I unintentionally, accidentally stole the Beatles tune because I, it sounded right in my head when I was inserting it into this, you know, other song that we did. And same with the with the Jello jingle. You know, I'm certain that there was some part of my brain that said that sounds right because I've heard it before yeah, and it sounds yeah. natural and catchy, and that's why all of that happened. So. Uh, again, I'm hoping that this was accidental and unintentional and it still kind of takes you out of the song when you hear it because it's distractingly this other thing. So I, I don't know where I was going with this. I just think that, you know, you should try and avoid stuff like this. And if you hear it, then change it. That's yeah, I feel like thing. I have this this anxiety all the time about doing this. Where I'm like, oh, this is a great melody, but does it sound like something else? And, you know, then <laughs> I try to think of it. And it's helpful, actually, for sites like FOM or, you know, here where you post something and people say, oh, this sounds exactly like that other song. And you kind of know what it was that you were unintentionally copying. And yeah. you do get that chance to change it. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like this... It does happen, like, you know, all these lawsuits of people suing each other over, you know, various parts of songs that sound just like other songs. You know that song, Heartbeat Song? They played at my gym. That sounds just like the middle. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is my heartbeat song. Oh, no, I, I haven't heard that one. With that. Oh. Uh, it's like a, you know, contemporary current song um, that they play, like I said, at my gym, and it just sounds exactly like this other song from the 90s. Is that yeah, that takes some time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jimmy Eat World, I feel like it was Jimmy Eat World, maybe. Sounds um, like it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's like, those are both like kind of radio play hit songs, and they sound like exactly the same to me. Wasn't there recently something that happened with Radiohead's Creep? Like, I really? feel like that was in the news. Like, Radiohead and some other contemporary artists, they stole, like, a line from Creep or it sounded a little bit like Creep. Googling it now. Uh, Lana Del Rey? Yeah, that's right. That's I, right. I it's Lana Del Rey that. versus Creep. I haven't heard her song. But have, you, have you heard both of them? I have heard both of them, and, this, yeah, and I really I don't care. I think Creep or Radiohead was actually sued by someone else, which makes this interesting for that particular melody that they used in Creep, so... Radiohead was sued, and then they turned around and sued somebody else, Lana Del Rey, which is kind of an interesting story, but it's just interesting in how weird and messed up it is, in in my mind. Yeah. Well, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. The American way. (laughs) We got screwed by this. You should, too. (laughs) Yeah. It says here, the chord progression and melody and creep is similar to that of the 1972 song, The Air That I Breathe. Yeah. Well, I I know that song, and it doesn't. I mean, in the, in my head, it doesn't scan, but maybe I'm thinking of the wrong song or maybe I'm thinking of the wrong part. Yeah. Maybe we should make that a neurine challenge. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, take the, take the melody and chord progression from creep and do something new with it. See if you can get sued. No. So many lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you have to have a verse about killing the president. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh man, all those lawsuits, they'll have to like turn over all of their neurine royalties. So <laughs> You know what actually what this song made me think about was the whole notion of pocket, uh, which was actually something I wasn't super familiar with until recently. And that's the notion that not every beat, not every 
you know, note played has to align perfectly on some sort of conceptual musical quantized grid. And uh, that there is this idea of pocket where you can play ahead of the beat or behind the beat by a little bit. And, you know, that's an expression of your personal sort of musical tastes. And it's just a humanization sort of thing. And I watched a video where this guy, Rick Beato, who's kind of a a YouTube uh, music theory guy, where he said, you know, rock and pop music is being killed by quantization tools like FlexTime that Logic has or Beat Detective that Pro Tools has. And it's just killing all of the groove and pocket feel for songs. And uh, what I thought about this on Dead Squirrel song is that you know, they're really loose and it's amazing how loose you can be and still have your song sound reasonably good and cohesive. So there's a lot of pocket in this song and there's, you know, I wonder what it would be like if everything was glued to the beat. I think it would lose a lot of its charm. I mean, I think there's kind of a a middle ground though, too. (laughs) Yeah. Between super loose and quantized Mm -hmm. to the nines. Yeah. Um, just to, to harken back to something in creep, there's a sort of vocal almost solo where he goes into like almost falsetto. And that sounds now that I think about it, almost exactly like the air that I breathe where he goes, does that make, I'm, I'm making a fool of myself, but does that ring any bells? Not exactly. I don't remember that part. Yeah. Okay. I'm cutting Just edit this all out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So that that's a long time on Undead Squirrels. Uh, do we have more to say or are we going to move on? Let's move on. And so next up and finally, we have vowel sounds. I just happened to know someone who can speak authoritatively on this song. Uh, <laughs> and that's the, Ryan. Please go on, Ryan. Yes, yes. <laughs> My notes, they just, just, you know, this this is so reminiscent to me of, uh, in the best way, of uh, Cocteau Twins, you know, sort of meets Yaz, uh, sort of meets Gentle Brontosaurus. And that's uh, high, high praise, I promise you. This is all good, good stuff. You know, this is so lovely. I feel like I could listen to it like all day on repeat. It's just wonderful. It's got this good, full production. The lyrics are a little obtuse and evocative in the best way imaginable. And then, of course, I read the lyrics and wow, emotional gut punch for sure. The song has a lot of kind of great variation in it and great choice of harmonies like they chime you know, it's just lovely, lovely, lovely. But yeah, so it's it's kind of no wonder that vowel sounds just sort of, you know, sauntered into song fight and immediately started crushing everybody. It just this is a, another great example of that. I'm just thrilled with this song. I love it. I could listen to it over and over and over again. I got also hit in the gut. Uh, I felt that the lines about the hands locking the door and the face on the tile floor, it, it actually gave me flashbacks to the Kavanaugh hearings. And just remembering the recollections that Dr. Ford 
had during her testimony about the assault. And, you know, there was like all this question about, well, why didn't you remember this? And why didn't you remember that? But the things that she did remember sounded very reminiscent about some of the lyrics in this song, which I thought was interesting. I also enjoyed a lot the write-up about the song's references and inspirations that you wrote on the boards. I thought that was really cool. I hadn't remembered that terrible John Hughes date rape scene with the Caroline and the geek. And I was like, wow, this is, this is awful. I can't believe this is actually in a movie from the 80s. So that was interesting. And um, I don't think I'd ever heard that Beach Boys song, Caroline No. So maybe I should go back and listen to all of Pet Sounds at some point. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there, a lot of stuff to sort of grasp onto. I also read the Silver Sky essay in its entirely that you, that you also linked to, which was fascinating and depressing at the same time. I like the fact a lot that people who are writing songs in Sogfight think deeply about the songs and the lyrics they write. And this is a, definitely a good example of that. Well, thank you for, for the kind words. Yeah, definitely listen to Pet Sounds because uh, it's fantastic. It's weird because, well, <laughs> I'm going off on a completely different tangent here, but I was going to say it's weird because uh, the Beach Boys seem to have a lot of songs about like women cutting their hair. This is one of them. And there's another one on uh, Smile, I think, where, uh, you know, it's about this woman going bald. But uh, I digress in a not very useful way. But yeah, uh, I'm really happy with Welcome the Welcome to Two Jerks, um, One Vote, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I just, uh, I'm really happy with the way this came out overall. And, uh, you know, I really like the the kind of production choices that, you know, we kind of discussed and, and Vaughn ended up making as we, you know, iterated through the song. And uh, I don't know, I wasn't sure about how the, the bridge would go over because I felt like it's it's odd, you know, it's a little bit of a strange um, section there. Yeah, that's where the Beach Boys hat tip is, right? So it's Caroline No, K-N-O-W. And mm-hmm. you, you sort of took the harpsichord and the woodblock from the Caroline No Beach Boy song, mm-hmm. which I thought was super clever. Yeah, but yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what to say like about the song <laughs> um, that I worked on. I don't know. I also, I found it interesting that, you know, that some of the knock-on effects years later of sexual abuse actually physically manifest themselves. Like in that Silver Sky essay, Barry Lopez, the author, had talked about how he stored a lot of stress and anxiety in his shoulders, and it led to later a lot of muscle tension in his shoulders, which led to a destroyed disc in his spine, which caused him all kinds of physical pain. I thought it was fascinating how like emotional trauma can cause physical pain like later in life. And um, just the... I don't know. It was a deep song. It made me think about a lot of the knock-on effects of sexual abuse, which is not something I would expect from a song fight song. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you read the essay. It's a very horrifying kind of, um, you know, very moving kind of essay. And, um, you know, I don't want to go too, you know, deep into it as far as, you know, personal connections or whatever. But I mean, it did make me think of that whole kind of follow up. Uh, You know, it's like the trauma doesn't end when the trauma happens, you know, like when the trauma itself stops, because, you know, in in this uh, particular story, you know, it's talking about, I think, when he was like age seven or something, you know, like seven to nine, it's like some kind of childhood years. But of course, like you're saying, like, years later, is things like uh, just this tension of, um, you know, that's strong enough to actually rupture a disc in your spine or, you know, going back to the scene of like where these things happened and losing control of your body. And so, yeah, that whole that whole idea of the kind of uh, the, the two hits, um, you know, the initial first blow and then that kind of years later, the, the final 
hitting the floor aspect of it when, you know, in, in the song, this kind of big event happens for the narrator. It's like the door closes of, you know, you can never go back and kind of resolve that, that trauma with his abuser. Right. When the abuser um, dies, for example. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I had a, a friend of the family who had gone through some childhood abuse. And uh, when the abuser died, that was, a, that was a very difficult moment for her. But also when her child reached the age that she was at when she had faced abuse, uh, that was just a horrendously difficult moment for her. And it all came back very vividly. And um, it, was a, it was quite a struggle. So it's interesting how on anniversaries and, you know, dates can trigger all these repressed sort of memories as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else, Ryan, that you wanted to mention about this one? I don't think so. Uh, I was just very, very fond of it. Liked it a lot. It uh, stands up to listen after listen after listen. Just great. Do I sound stuffed up in the vocals? Nope. I don't I think so, that. no. Yeah, I had a cold for like a month, I feel like, um, over the past couple of song fights. And this one, like I, you know, I recorded the vocals and I kept on like sending back these messages like, does it sound okay? Does it sound okay? And Vaughn was like, oh, no, it sounds fine. You know, it's totally fine. And I felt like every time I would listen to it, I'd be like, oh, I sound so stuffy. Um, I can hear my sinuses in the song. But, you know, listening back to it a bit later, you know, like a week later. So, well, I think it sounds okay. But yeah. just yeah. curious to know if anybody you, else could hear that. There is some, you know, effects on it. There is some reverb and it is mixed well enough in that I think, you know, if there was stuffiness, which I didn't notice in the song, but you might have had more trouble if it were, you know, a G&G &G tune or something. But here it, it just works really well. Whatever you did, stay, stay stuffed up is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that you're also prone to notice every little detail and nuance of your own like recordings and performances that other people may just completely gloss over. I yeah, certainly notice no, that in my own stuff. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just so pitchy there. Like, that is not the right note. Why didn't I fix that? Yeah, I exactly. I am I am also totally hypercritical of, of Chumpy's performances. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're of the same mind on that. Even years later. <laughs> But I mean, it's funny, too, in Songfight, because sometimes I'm like, oh, nobody's going to notice that. And then <laughs> suddenly there's like five reviews where people are jumping in and like all mentioning the same thing that I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> Not so <laughs> like, fine. Yeah. Last week, that low note that I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll just I'll just sing that note. It's going to be OK. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, no, like you can't actually hit that note. So don't go for that. <laughs> but on the flip side, I feel like they're, you know, I've, I've played shows where it's like, we've changed the structure of the song and half of the band veers off into doing the chorus and the other half continues on the verse and, you know, people are playing completely different parts. And then afterwards, you know, I'll, I'll talk to a friend and be like, Oh, it went really terrible. Like, you know, this, this song, we totally messed it up and be like, Oh, I didn't notice anything. So I feel like definitely <laughs> a lot of instances, people just don't pay that close attention. And I think maybe this is just one of those exceptions because people are trying to, you know, write detailed notes about these songs, but um, generally, yeah, I guess most people don't really notice. Yeah, casual listeners are often not critical. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to come up with some insight that Micah hasn't beaten me to. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to get Berkeley social scene, you know, making music. Couldn't you come up with something better for that? And then, like, I had written that before Micah had. I'm certain of it. But then it was on the boards and Micah totally beat me to it. And I'm like, damn you, Micah. <laughs> Okay, so do we want to do some end of podcast blathering? Do we want to talk about who we're going to vote for or not? Oh, yeah, Because we, okay. we don't have to. Yeah, let's not. I, I'm in favor of not. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's 10 songs this time around. I'm going to vote for five or fewer. 
And I think I think that's not going to be a problem this time for me. But yeah, we we don't have to talk about the specific ones that we're not going to vote for or that we are going to vote for, unless you'd like to, uh, Al. Uh, no, that's fine. I'm actually still kind of making up my mind about it a little bit, just because I felt like it was a very solid fight. You know, I was kind of relieved when you said, oh, do you want to do it this week? Because I'd listened to the songs and there wasn't anything where I was like, oh, I hate this, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah. it, it makes it easier <laughs> to not have to, like, get on the air and talk about how you thought somebody's song was just awful. But yeah, I just haven't really decided yet because I felt like they're, you know, all these songs had something great about all of them. And I have to decide which ones that I like the best. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, uh, in that case, yeah, let's talk about Song Fight Live. You have offered to host this year. If it comes together, as, as we're all hoping that it will, then, then that's, that's really, really awesome of you. Early August, is that right? Yeah, August 2nd and 3rd here in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm excited about it. I've never, you know, gone to one of these before, so I don't really know what to expect <laughs> per se. And I had just like so many super detailed questions that I had sent to Ken and he was really helpful about, you know, expectations and what kind of emails to send these venues about this and so on. But, you know, I have a venue lined up and, uh, you know, I'm working on the backline. And I think the rest is just like people have to say they're going to come and, uh, I don't know, like we have to pick a yeah. name, but it should be fine. I mean, this is a really nice little venue. It's, you know, this pub with uh, a kind of private upstairs and downstairs room that you can cordon off if you want to, but otherwise people are free to wander up if they hear music playing and, and see what's going on. And, you know, it has food, has drinks. It's just off of the downtown Capitol Square. So within walking distance to like so many other cool things in Madison. And uh, August is going to be a beautiful time here in the great state of Wisconsin. Lots of sunshine and, um, you know, beautiful weather. You can, you know, go get a boat and, you know, go out on the lake. And, you know, we're big on craft beers here. And, you know, come here and drink a bunch of interesting beers that you're not allowed to export outside of Wisconsin, like uh, New Glarus Brewery, that I think people will come in and, like, smuggle out of the state, apparently, because you can't <laughs> get it other places. Amazing cheese, like deep fried cheese curds, in case anybody didn't know, is like a huge thing here in Wisconsin. And Friday fish fries, which I think they'll have at the Rigby that Friday night. Another big tradition here. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's this is a great city. I love living here, and um, I'm really happy to host it here. All right. Uh, anything else? Anything else to plug? Anything else to talk about? Um, I don't think so. You want to move on so. to shoutouts? Uh, okay, I'll start. Uh, shout out to Brian and Alice. Uh, Brian, of course, Jerkatorium would not exist without him. Alice doing great art. Let's see. I'd like to thank uh, my husband for his love and support and his patience. And uh, again, thanks for Lunkhead uh, for being the great fight master and for Nivius for starting up Nurain. Nurain starts actually, the first song has probably already been announced by the time you hear this. So be sure to get your song in by. April, what is it going to be, 29th, something like that? Go to uh, neurine.songlinder. something or other. Is that right? I don't Nurein. know off the top of my head. Here we go. Yeah, nine, neurine, N U R E I N dot songlander.com. And uh, that'll bring you to everything you want to know about neurine, including, again, what the current challenge is round zero uh, by the time this is published. That'll probably have been posted already how about you Ali any shout outs 
Shout out to my husband, who's done a great job of uh, keeping the cat out of this room while I'm recording. And to my bandmates in Gentle Brontosaurus, who probably aren't listening to this podcast, but you know, what the hell. And uh, shout out to Von Borten, um, my co-writer in Valisans, um, who probably is listening to this podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for, for having me on the podcast this week. Come check out our Facebook page and our Twitter and Bandcamp, give us a like, and we'll have all of the events um, up to date on, on both those pages. Cool. Awesome. Unless anybody has anything else, I guess that's it. I think I can hear the exit music going on. All right. That's a wrap. See you folks. Okay. All right. Talk to you later.